Conversely, you can also put in too much effort, and that brings us to our next archetype, which is the center of the universe. <clears throat> this is the person who absolutely want the entire game to revolve around them. They want to be the coolest character. They want to be the princess and the barbarian. They want the magic sword. Um, if there's a reward, they want to get it, and they want every scene to be about them. They are going to be the one talking the most. They are going to be the ones pushing everyone out of the way. They want the loot. Everything is about me. That's why we're here, right? All five of us. <laughs> yep. To celebrate how cool I am and how cool my character is. I I'm glad I've never had to actually deal with this. <laughs> they tend to come up a lot in... I played a lot of like online games like text-based games and there's a lot of them because online people are playing essentially like you know you're playing your own character and you're sort of fluidly interacting with people it's not as directed usually as a uh, normal tabletop game mm. and when you have the experience of like sitting down to uh corral five people who all think they're the hero of the story and the truth is they have to like work together and everyone has to like subordinate themselves a little bit um yeah this becomes a real problem, I think, in games that have some sort of implied rank structure to it. Um, Werewolf is an example where every character has a rank, which is how renowned you are in, like, in the game world. And because it's based on wolves, it's supposed to be very, like, there's a hierarchy to things, and certain characters are above and below you. And in the setting, uh, like, rebelling against that is really not something that gets you very far. Or you're playing, like, a military game where, like, you can't just, like, mouth off to your superior officer. Sorry, bro. Like, you just got went to prison. You know, you can't, like, wander off and do your own thing. <laughs> now you're AWOL. Um, I just I prefer think... to, like, play with people I know. Mm-hmm. So, like, I couldn't even imagine, or if I went into a game with people I didn't really want to know, I'd, I'd do what we always, you know, our golden rule, set, set the expectations up front. Yeah, and I think a lot of times, the center of the universe can be handled by a GM that's not afraid to sort of, you know, like, move things along, like, because a lot of times, it's, I, th I feel like this is also often the player who has, like, really complicated side projects they want the character to do. Like, in any fantasy game, there's always the one guy or girl who wants to build a tavern, and then they want to decorate the tavern, and here's the floor plan for the tavern, and hey, since all our characters are meeting, why don't we meet at the tavern? You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, here's the list of everyone who works at the tavern. Here's how old they are. I drew pictures of all of them. And there's a point where that, like, there's a fine line, because you don't want to, like, crab on somebody who's always putting effort in, but at the same time, it's like, okay, that's cool, but we are trying to like let everyone else have a chance as well, you know? Right. Or, you know, like the person who feels their character is always going to be present. So when another player's character is wandering off to go like talk to somebody or pursue like a quest of their own, then they want to tag along as well. Like, well, wouldn't it be better if my character was helping you out with it? Like, well, not really. Cause you're playing like a sentient ball of flame and I'm a... <laughs> so, I think, um, like, putting, not putting it on rails, but, like, being a disciplined GM and kind of, like, reining it in a little bit. 
so you don't have the rest of the group like sitting around twiddling their thumbs. Or you just find creative ways to shut them down for a bit. Like, kind <laughs> yeah. Of, or, in a sense, okay. like shut off their powers, abilities, or have them imprisoned, or, you know, just get them off the table for like story based reasons. Like, if they've been kind of a quote ball hog with mm. the rest of the uh, game action, why, like, why not? Yeah, you know, um, sideline them for a little bit. Um, yeah. And then I think pull them aside like hey like we spent like all of last session like trying to deal with your character you know like come on but i think a lot of times too you can kind of tell like if you're getting like characters for a game and like there's going to be the one person who they're they're not really the min max because the min max will show up with a weird character that's designed to like be good at killing dudes uh this person is going to show up with a weird character that's going to like eat up a lot of time you Mm -hmm. know like it's the person who um they always have like a really in-depth thing and it's going to be really difficult and they want to be the one person who has like wings and horns and everything in a world where like anything supernatural is like burned on the stake. <laughs> so. The um, the next living picture on our list is uh, one that I feel a lot of high school groups run into. That is a cheater. Pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> yes. Um, this guy, uh, always rolls his dice kind of off to the side, um, or he has mastered the roll of the die and swipe it off the table in one move. So it, it was 20. It's fine. Uh, right. he, he'll sit and roll dice on the side of the table, uh, without saying why. And then when it rolls a 20, he'll say, Oh, I, I just hit, you know, he might have, uh, Cheat a little bit with the XP. Oh, I didn't realize I counted a thousand instead of a hundred XP. That's funny. Well, any and all of the numbers. Yeah. The treasure, like, of course. He forgot a few to track a few hits. Mm. You know, did you realize that uh, to have this many hit points, you must roll an 11 on 1d10, like eight <laughs> levels in a row? Like, you know, um, and this is one where honestly, like, not only is there not a way of like turning that. Th- using that power for good. Uh, but I think it's also like a sign of fundamental disrespect for the group. Mm. You know, like if you're, I mean, yeah, there's being kind of creative with it, you know, like a, a creative rules interpretation. I'm not going to let that upset me, but if it's like straight up, just like fudging stuff, like fudging dice rolls, messing with the character sheet, writing in skills and abilities that you didn't have, or swapping stuff out. That's just like get out. Yeah, you know. it's been much. Well, swapping in abil- swapping in and out of abilities. Yeah, like he just happens to have the. Um, there was one guy we played with at a convention game a million years ago. Um, it was some sort of like semi superhero game, kind of like X Men ish, but I, I don't remember what the game was, the, what the system was, and it was weird because this guy always had he had like some sort of like blast power. You could like point, point and shoot like things out of his fist. And it so, always happened to have the right damage type for the monsters that we were fighting. And it turned out afterwards that his character only had, he did like, I don't know, like fire damage or something, but he just like mm-hmm. changed it. <laughs> so, he, like, in one battle, it was frost damage, and it was like force damage, and it was psychic. And it was always like the, the perfect type. How convenient. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, and it's so. <laughs> like you're not I know we sometimes joke about like 
winning D&D, but that's not, you know. Well, I think like, that's the problem with a number of these kind of tropes we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. The lawyers, the, the min-maxer, the cheater said, like, that. I think yeah. that's, like, root problem number one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the people who are very, like, focused, you know, and a lot of times, especially, I think, uh, the cheater often will be uh, react the worst when they do lose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, often. The, I feel like the min-max are probably, like, he's okay most of the time. If his character does die, he's just got to, like, figure out a way of, like, making that not happen again. Like, now it's on, right? That's the arms race. Right. Um, sure. <laughs> But yeah, um, and I think it be, it's also one of those things because, like, by the time the GM notices it, almost guaranteed the players have noticed it, right? Oh yeah. Uh, and then it becomes this awkward thing, like if you don't crack down on it, then everyone else is going to be thinking, like, why am I, like, you know, like my character lost out on some, on, like that sword because I rolled honestly and you know screwed it up, and this guy is like rolling in the magic loot, right? Well, yeah. Come to think of it, like that's. For me, it's more with board games. I've seen things where, like, I play a game a couple times with someone. It's like that person is like way ahead of everyone each mm-hmm. game, and I think they're fudging some of the rules. Yeah, or they're like adding like an extra resource token here and there, or like pulling four cards instead of three. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's like you know, you're you're paying attention to your own thing. Especially, mm-hmm. like, with a really complex game. Like, I'm focused on what's going on here. And by the end of the game, I look over and that other, like, <laughs> that person has, like, doubled my score. It's like, I think there's shenanigans. And I I did not have the, you know, the, the space or time to yeah. try to keep track of what they're doing. But it gets really old. Oh, absolutely. Like, I used to play uh, Warhammer tournaments way back in... Um... Like, people were mostly pretty good because you could call over a judge if something was didn't seem right. Mm-hmm. But there was definitely some, like, weird stuff. Um, and a lot of, like, dice shenanigans. Um, one of the things dice all... at a Warhammer game? <laughs> yeah. Like, one of the things that would come up all the time, because you had these d- random direction dice. You'd roll them, they would have an arrow on them. So you yeah. use them every time, like, something, like a grenade goes in a random direction, right? And the, the way to use them is to roll them kind of close to the starting point so it's clear where the arrow is pointing. And mm-hmm. there are certain players who would always roll like as far away as possible. And then they would sort of like veer the veer the point towards like, oh, that's unlucky. It just happens to land on your troops instead of mine. And it's at like a 90 degree angle to what the roll was. You know, dudes like that. Or they wouldn't count up their victory points correctly or... Um, I knew a guy who uh, played Magic. He was playing in like a store tournament, and he played a guy. He won, and they shook hands. And the other guy's like, uh, uh, "Do you want me to go like report the result?" And he was like, "Yeah, sure." And he did. And then later, uh, the guy I was talking to found out he had been uh, eliminated for losing one of the rounds. He's like, well, "I won all my games." And it turns out the dude walked up and said that the he had won instead of the guy who actually won. Uh-huh. Just like <laughs> balls, you know. Lame, <laughs> crazy so, world, but yeah, yeah. All Moving right. on from the cheater, once you kicked him out, we have the yes. theater kids, and this is one of yours. So why don't you? Uh... Sure. So, it seems pretty self-explanatory. This is someone who's like really, really into acting, mm-hmm. in film, and you know, you know, they went through 
studied drama in high school and they want to lay out their skills and really get into the role playing and get dramatic and talk in character all the time. And they Mm -hmm. expect everyone else to that. (laughs) They're really poking at everyone to try to get them to play in character and speak in character all the time too. And they just Mm -hmm. let up and they're usually really flamboyant and just kind of over the top. And it kind of, bleeds into that center of the universe type thing where they're just like so involved which is cool it's it's motivating and fun to an extent but it can get out of hand yeah i feel this is one of the ones where the there can be a pretty fine line between using it for good and using it for evil right yeah Uh, because it can end up like in a way it's sort of the mirror image of the rules lawyer where the rules lawyer is very focused on what's in the book and the theater kid is very focused on what isn't you know, um, and like I've read, I haven't run into, although I played with people who are actual theater <laughs> like people, um, but I have read of stories where people are, you know, like um, you have the one person who like gets angry every time there's like a battle because that's the thing they can't control in like the social mm-hmm. situation or like they want to like, you know, they want to solve everything through their acting skills or whatever. Um mm-hmm. You know, or they become like sippy with the GM because, like, you did a voice for this character, but last time we talked to them, their voice was different. Like, ah, come on. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think, on. yeah, like, relax, buddy. I'm not a paid actor. You know, like, if you want to hear paid actors play role playing games, you know, like, you can listen to crit- Critical Role. They're good at that. That's right. a job. But, but uh, yeah, I feel. Most of the time, I feel the theater kid is probably benign, um, but they can definitely get carried away, and I think that can be some like kind of crappy expectations that can pop up. But yeah, just uh, they can just get annoying. It mm. can just get to be overbearing. Yeah, especially if it's like a shtick. You know, they have like the one thing they've decided is like what really sets the character apart, and it just ends up being kind of irritating. Yeah. You know, um, so now ironically, this person tends to do very well at like an improv like scenario or something like a convention game. Hmm. Uh, but sometimes when you're just sitting at the table and this also I feel this is the person that often gets kind of pissed if you they do their big speech and then uh, you tell them like, oh, OK, like the guards nod a little bit and they mutter among themselves. Like, can you roll for persuasion? And they're like, well, I shouldn't have to. Right. You know, because now, like, all their effort might not... It's always the balance, right, between, like, the player being creative versus what the dice give you. It can go either way. But I feel Theater Kid is definitely the one who feels that they should over... They should get to ignore the dice roll because they role-played it out. So, and you can have different opinions on that, but if that ain't how the game works, then that that ain't how it works. And -hmm. the rules lawyer is there to point out that it is a persuasion check and it's difficulty 17. (laughs) <laughs> and no matter how quickly you talk through it it's not going to change that difficulty. yes actually if you're um, hurrying your action that makes it plus four to difficulty <laughs> <laughs> while the rules lawyer and the theater kid are arguing about this um, somebody has something important to say about the uh, vegetation in the northern parts of the forgotten realms and that is the master of canon right uh this is the guy um who and from my experience actually this one is more likely to be female but that is probably purely anecdotal so don't like write us angry emails 
Um, but this is the person who's really into the setting and they're really into the lore and the characters. They read all of the setting books, all of them. They memorize them. They know which city, which trade good is in. If one of the players needs a diamond for a spell, they know the place and the world to go. They have read all the novels. They, and this person can be wonderful in a game until they expect you to know all this as well. When you say that your character is a barbarian and they're from this place, they get a scoff at you because there are clearly no barbarians there and you need to uh, do a little bit better. When the GM says that you get attacked by wolves when you're escorting the caravan, um, they point out that there are no wolves within 240 miles. So that's a little strange how they got here, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, man. Which is a great example of, again, like using a good skill, understanding, and being passionate about the setting uh, in a way that'll make nobody else want to play your setting again. <laughs> 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 you know, like there's an art to introducing like dense settings, and maybe that's an episode we'll do sometime. Um, mm. But being. Like being overbearing and lording it over the group uh, or demanding, you know, it's kind of like the rules thing, right? Like you were saying, sometimes you're just kind of doing it on the fly. It doesn't really matter. Like we just want to have like a dramatic moment here and wolves sound like they make sense. Yeah, it, it could be a, I mean, a bizarre event that to spice up the setting instead, just like just meeting expectations and fitting into what this person already knows it also gives them uh, you know if they're the game master that's awesome good for them mm. they they like most of the work uh, of setting up the campaign or the one-off adventure is already done and they can just plug in characters and situations <laughs> to to drive the action awesome but as a player it's obvious that they're going to get in a power struggle with the game master as to like how the game moves forward, which is no fun for anybody. Yeah, or they get in a fight with another player because they want to tell you how to run your character, and nobody is sure. that. Um, right. I think I feel like if this person's running game, there's also a high chance that this is the like old geezer with a long beard, and when he says he's made his own world, he pulls out like. 6,000 pages of like binders and notes dating all the way back to fourth grade. <laughs> and you, and your heart sinks as you realize that you're going to have to read all this shit to play, <laughs> play the elf game. <laughs> Cause this guy's absolutely going to like run your character into the ground. If you say that you're sir, so-and-so of the wrong fucking County. For sure. Yeah, <laughs> if you don't know like the proper lineage of, of the communities <laughs> that you want to work in, like, Right. If you have to study enough to become like a real life like bard, <laughs> like if you have to actually know the terminology for heraldry to play the game, you're probably playing with a master of canon, and he's the only one having fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can get a degree in sociology. That's it's there's schools right, like, everywhere. Go go study and teach like actual medievalism. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I'll give you all the canon you want. Right, just um, chill out, I guess. <laughs> yeah, take a breather, relax. It's to a point. It's just a game. You can take it too seriously, even if you are trying to have a serious game. But you gotta like be reasonable about it. Yep. 
the second to last uh, is one that I have personal uh, loathing for, and that is what I call the LOL random. If my friend Dan is listening to this, uh, he just like chewed down on his keyboard. Um, <laughs> LOL random is the uh, person who, after you have learned what the adventure is about, and everyone else sets about gathering clues or gathering the weapons they need or finding passage to the next world, they decide that they are going to uh, build a spaceship out of purple dawns. <laughs> See, I feel like this is a newer thing. It, I feel yeah, like the internet um, is a strong like propagator of this because people read stories of like, there's this trend, um, especially on like, uh, like Dungeons and Dragons memes pages and stuff. People will talk about like how their players like derail the game and oh, it w- wasn't it fun when they tried to set up a bowling alley or something. And people will see those stories and they'll like view them as aspirational, like not realizing that half of them were just made up. Mm. Um, so I feel like a lot of times it's the person who's understanding of the game comes mostly from like internet memes and like weird like jokes and like green text from 4chan and they think that that's the way the game is played and therefore um and sometimes it's also just like people who are like weird and disruptive and they want like if there is something that the rest of the group wants to do their mission becomes to make sure that doesn't happen yeah you know um, the the story is going somewhere and they have to like open the portal to yeah, the, the world of giant toilets. like they're <laughs> Right, exactly. Like, whatever we'll get... Sometimes this can cross over with the center of the universe, because when you have to deal with their stupid shenanigans, um, it kind of becomes that. Or even the Edgelord, like, while everyone else is doing their thing, he wants to go off on, like, a serial killer spree in the city. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So it can kind of c- cross over, but it's... To me, the LOL random is always something that is stupid, makes no, adds no value to the game, and really only benefits their character because they think it's funny. And a lot of times, I think for the rest of the group, it can just get extremely aggravating to like wait and deal with. Like you, you want to have a little bit of shenanigans, you know? I mean, it's a game, it's fun, uh, but this is the person that definitely needs to be off in the game, in a game populated by themselves and people like them. Mm-hmm. Where the GM is just there to like respond to all your stupid crap and like tell you what happens when you do it, you know, like when you make a zebelin powered by goblin farts, now you can like sail the world as a stinky pirate or something. There's rifts. There's always rifts. Yeah, I feel like this person, if they're an old school gamer, they definitely started with rifts, and they were the person who like picked the uh, the crazy person class that has no abilities. They're just like a schizophrenic dude with no pants. <laughs> And the first thing that happens in the game when, like, the coalition attacks is, like, they run off and, like, become a watermelon vendor. (laughs) And just, like, rolling around with their watermelons, trying to sell them, occasionally wetting themselves. Oh, boy. So the last on our list of decrepit personalities and uh, unpleasant players is the person who is confused and indecisive. It's their turn. And they're not sure. They're frantically looking up and down the character sheet to find out something to do. Um, the GM helpfully asks what spell they want to cast, and they're looking at their equipment list. <laughs> when it's their turn to talk in the uh, meeting, they blurt out that they attack the closest character. Yeah, yeah. Usually, it, yeah, it's, it's a meeting or something inconsequential, and someone asks, like, "Okay, what do you think about like 
picking this lock in this empty tower. <laughs> yeah, they're they're not sure. Um, they're always sort of perpetually bewildered by the game and occasionally by the world at large. Um, you know, sometimes kind of scatterbrained. Uh, I think think a lot of times, like people who have kind of like bad ADHD and don't really like know how to manage it, can fall into this. Mm -hmm. uh, they're always kind of like buzzing off. Um, but I think also sometimes it's just like you know, like the person who doesn't kind of pay. They're not necessarily a spectator because to me, the spectator does pay attention. They just don't have any input, or they don't really know what what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, I think the mm -hmm. confused and indecisive player is just you know like it gets to their round they've already forgotten what they did last turn like i attacked right. the orc well you killed the orc last time like what like yes and you pointed the miniatures on the board or something you know um and i think a lot of times i mean it can be some other issue like i've talked to people who had um people in their group where like literally just tune out as soon as it's not their character like if the combat round takes more than 10 seconds to come back around they've already like forgotten what's happening Right. Um, but I think also sometimes, like, we were in one game where there was a player who was very clearly, like, um, had been pulled in by their significant other. Uh, but they weren't, like, on, they weren't a spectator. Uh, they were just, like, they had no idea what was happening. Um, they had to, in the middle of the game, they had to, like, wander off to go take care of the kids. Um, so they would come back and they would have no idea. Uh, so somebody would be like, well, why don't you roll to hit? I'm like, okay. And they would roll the dice and then they would kind of wander off. Um, well, they just, you know, like, in this case, it was a person who kind of, like, didn't want to be there. They had just dragged it along. Mm -hmm. um, well, yeah, if they have something else going on or they don't know them, can't they don't know the rule system at all. And they're just like, I'm rolling dice and the thing just happens. Like, <laughs> right. Um, no, exactly. Um, I think the difference, like I said, from the spectator, it's the spectator fundamentally, like, understands the game at large. They understand there's a story structure that you're following. They know that there's, you know, like, they know why we're here at the tower fighting wizard. They may not have had anything to do with how we got here, and they <laughs> may still be kind of at a loss of what to do when we get here. But they yeah. at least, like, understand the chain of events that got them there. Um, whereas I feel the, the confused and decisive is... You know, like, they get there, and they have no clue. Can I shoot fireball at something? Like, what do you shoot at? Like, are the bad guys? Like, there's no bad guys. You know. Um, yep. This can also often be the one, the guy who smokes a little too much weed when he's gaming. They like, like the idea of playing a role-playing game in a fantasy setting, but they're... They, get, they haven't really looked at the books or someone else, like drug them walk them through every step of creating their character and like yes. yeah cool i'm a wizard Ugh. right so now you have a sheet full of numbers that you don't really know what to do like can i cast this spell like, you know so it just become and i think at that point um that's a case we have to like sort out like does this player want to be here can they be like can they be advanced to become a spectator once they like can focus and understand what's happening uh, did they get, like, dropped in the middle of a game? And, you know, like, it's like watching a TV show and you, like, start watching with your friends, but they're in, like, the middle of season five and they keep telling you how cool it all is, but you don't know any of these characters. That's the charitable take on this, right? <laughs> You've right. You've like, into a game and everyone else is just raring to go and you're just like, how does, how do my stats work? <laughs> right, like, can my character turn into a wolf? Is that a thing? 
<laughs> you know, like, so, yeah. And I think also um, there's a certain kind of player who, like, is resistant to the idea of, like, ever learning. They're just, like, perpetually helpless, you know. Like, after two, three years of playing D&D, they still ask what, which dice to roll. You know. Have you ever um, dealt with anyone like that? Uh, a, f- a little, um, but not to that extent. Um, I had a uh, a friend of mine had a group where one of the players was like that. They were just like refused to learn rules. Like they didn't, and I don't understand like why they kept like inviting them along because at some point like that's just like again if you show up to like a hockey game and you refuse to learn that you're supposed to use a stick like you'll get kicked out. Right. Right. You know, so at that point it becomes like a petulant thing. Um, but yeah, most of the time when I've seen the confusion and decisive, it's usually somebody who's like, they're kind of thrown into a position where they're just like, they're not going to win and they're figuring out how to do this game is just too much of a challenge and they're not going to be able to like, you know, like they're just here because, you know, like you thought it was going to be like board game night. Like your mm-hmm. girlfriend or boyfriend said like, oh yeah, it's like playing board games. You just talk. And then you just show up and you get this list of like 30 spells None of which make any sense. What the fuck is a fing- fire finger? That makes no sense. That's not English. Right. <laughs> you know. So that now it's just crying. kind of... Yeah, like, now it's just kind of miserable and awful. Um, or you get thrown into a Rift game as your first game. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So I think, in this case, there's some other structural problem that failed somewhere. Somebody made a mistake getting you here. Uh, you either don't want to be here or you were really not like done a favor, like getting you into the game without any like preparation mm-hmm. or you need to smoke a little less weed. Um, but at we, least with people like this, they're not going to be there long term. Most likely. Yeah. Like most likely they're going to be frustrated or they're just going to like, okay, you know, and if they kind of like, if they can get caught up to some level of speed, but they're not really going to be like that fired up. They'll probably just turn into the spectator and they'll be okay. Yeah. That's kind of too bad. I feel bad for people like that and they're just confused and it feels like they waste like several hours of their free time. Yeah. I think a lot of times, um, I think about this a lot because like people will say like, Oh, you know, like Dungeons and Dragons is a really difficult game. It's got those giant book of rules and like to an extent that's true. But I also feel a lot of that is like presentation and how it's introduced to you. Right. Because um, I've also known, I've talked to people and I played with people who had like n- almost no idea how to play the game other than like they could roll to hit and make saving throws. But they were still like super energetic and engaged in it. Like they were really into the idea of like playing a druid who has a wolf companion and they can like cast tree spells and stuff. Like they understood the game at large, even if they had no clue like how specific sub mechanics worked, but they right. were engaged in the story and they were engaged in the, and you can say maybe they should be in a different game, you know, like one that isn't mechanically intensive because they would probably have a better time, mm-hmm. but the group sort of like accommodated around it or the GM just tells them like, okay, like for this spell, roll 3d6 plus eight, you know, whatever. Well, I think that there can be a balance too. Mm-hmm. You have a balance yeah. of the even like these. If you have like this a group with several players with these type of flaws, but they all kind of, ex- like, I don't know, the theater kid is able to kind of rein in the rules lawyer, 
just because they're having fun and they're able to kind of like get the lore out of their pedantic kind of mode and just get them mm. to like back off. Then that, right. that then there's like an interplay or the rules lawyer is able to step up and be like, look, it's gonna work better if we actually roll the dice here and everyone else gets to do stuff with the dice. So just be quiet for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, I think like a lot of the times, some of these types, and I think a lot of groups have these types, but they're like the rough edges have been polished off, or you've learned to like work around this person. Yeah. You know, um, the GM knows how to give them a little bit without uh, them like taking over the whole thing. Um, so I feel like a lot of times, like, like these archetypes, there's kind of like degrees of them, right? Like they can be really bad, they could be. But a lot of people have them, like, a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, like you mentioned, like, having a little bit of, like, an edgelord moment. I certainly have a little bit of a rules lawyer in me. Um, you know, um, but again, like, you learn to, like, part of becoming a better player isn't about memorizing, like, all the rules in the book or something. It's about, like, using your skills to make the game more fun for the group and to make yeah. it more of a a fulfilling experience like people always talk about everyone has like that, that like one game or one campaign that they remember you know and that's really like i have this a theory that that's really like what we're always trying to like catch again is like that one moment and mm -hmm. like reproduce it reliably so every game can become like that um and some of that is dealing with you know crappy players like we spent a lot of time talking about building worlds and uh, building encounters and characters and all this stuff. Um, so it's kind of a stab at like, you know, managing the human resources, right? Sure. Well, yeah, having the people there that can actually enact that stuff and execute. Yeah, and what to do when uh, you sit down with your group and you realize that you're going to have to do some work to get it to all like fit together, you know? Yeah. Or even, like, what kind of game can you run? Like, if you have, have a bunch of, like, rules lawyers and min-maxers, they're not really going to be into your, like, super melodramatic, like, epic story. What they are going to be into probably is something that, like, has a lot of combat challenges, has a lot of mechanical challenges. It really pushes their characters in that sense. <clears throat> so you're going to have to, like, ad adjust a little bit. And then if you kind of meet that, then you get to indulge in a little bit of what you wanted to do. And you can kind of, like move them along that path, I think. Yeah. Or Ivan, you know, there's Nordic Weasel games and the whole collection of, of uh, minis rules for like crunchy tactical situations. Heck yeah. Those people's. <laughs> or you could, uh, we do a lot of solo games. So if you realize your group is fucking hopeless, you sit down and play on your own. <laughs> <laughs> that is an option as well. Um, you know. Yeah. But I think that sort of sums up our 10 sort of terrible archetypes, ranging, you know, some are not as bad. Um, some are pretty bad. Some can be redeemed more easily than others. Um, but I think you can probably, if you've ever been in a group that didn't work that well, I think you can probably look at the people you played with and look at this list and kind of see, you know. I would also so, add, like, just, like, even... Though I I don't know maybe this is like coming out of the the eighties mm -hmm. and like having 
the challenges in that time of like getting gaming groups together at all and just running yeah. into most of the people on this list and just accepting <laughs> them and giving them a bit of a break here and there. There's think, also that because you didn't really have much of a choice. Like I grew up in a small right. town. There was like eight kids who gamed. So guess what? You get to pick half of those. Oh, and like two of them don't get along. One of them, like their mom thinks that D&D is Satanism, so they can't admit they play. You know, like you totally. just kind of sat through it with uh, with those people. Or you had a circle of friends and they started gaming and it turns out that people you really enjoy hanging out with who are important to you are kind of shit. <laughs> In this situation, yeah. You know, so a lot of times, you know, like it's easy to say online because it seems like there's an infinite amount of people and there are. But, you know, a lot of times the realistic situation is that, you know, you kind of have to like put up with people. You have to figure out how to like make that, make it work. Um, it's a little different, I think, nowadays where people are like, you know, you can go on Reddit and like look for people who are running a D&D game and drop in with like five complete strangers because you don't have an investment in those people. Yeah. So if one of them is like a shitty rules lawyer and you're like, ah, oh, fuck that, I'll find another game. Uh, so sometimes I think we, it's also easy to be, I think what you're getting at is like, sometimes you have to like give people a chance. Yeah, it's really exactly. It's really easy to become dismissive. And then you start like just cycling through groups of players online. I, I would much rather deal with people I know, even though mm. they can be shitty in certain aspects than just looking continuously for the p perfect group because chances are you won't find it. Yeah, you won't. And if you do, guess what? They're, that group is full. Yeah. Or you, know. you you find out for their situation, you're the crappy player. I know. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're playing a really cool rules lawyer game and you're the theater asshole who are bringing all your shit in. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so suddenly um, you could be a bad player in a different group. <laughs> but yeah, um, I think that's a very good point to kind of close on is like these are all problem players in a way, but they're not necessarily like a terminal problem. Totally. And they're not a terminal problem in every group. You know, that could be a group where everyone is cheating at the table and they're all having a great time. Like, That's like the, the actual game is like getting away with shit that the other players didn't catch you in. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. Um, but yeah, so I hope that sort of helps people like think about like what challenges they're running into uh, with players rather than um, rather than with systems or settings or things like that. We don't talk that much about systems. Maybe that's something we'll... Uh, We'll address later, um, but I think this was like a, a different, a different bite of the apple, um, and a piece that uh, can be really important. For sure. All right, I think we've uh, yeah we we've run pretty darn long this evening, so I, I yeah I, I think that's... that'll be uh, that'll be curtains for the night, and uh, yeah. we will return to you. Um, rambling on about other things that you ought to know in our opinion <laughs> totally so uh have a great christmas everyone and thanks again for listening yep thanks you have a great night and stay safe everybody